might be a Viking or a Saxon or a Roman, but tell me, do you like them? Would you sex them? Would you bone them? Would you go to bed with King Ethelred? Would you bunk William the Conqueror up in the sheets with Samuel Pepys? Mussolini was a meanie, led a fascist insurrection, but does he make you creamy? Does he give you an erection? Would you pork Richard the Duke of York? Does a boner start when you think of Bonaparte? Are you sexually aroused at the thought of Pol Pot? Historical hot or not? Hello and welcome to Historical Hot or Not, the history podcast that fills the condom of comedy with the ejector of historical fact. My name is Aidan McCaffrey, I am your co-host, I am not a historian, and this is... Catherine Mather, uh, I'm also a comedian and not a historian, but we are only for history. Today we've got a guest, we're joined by... Ken Cheng, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks for having me. Are you horny for history? Uh, I I think overall, yes. I'd probably say more horny than not. Perfect. That's that's exactly where we're like, oh, I guess. You have a semi for the past, which is enough. <laughs> yeah, it's a nostalgic kind of horniness. Have you had someone who was fully not at all sexual in any way? Ignacio Lopez was totally flaccid. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we, we, we're refusing to release the episode with him on. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we will. We need that sweet Fair. content. But <laughs> no, I'm joking. Ignathia was stiff as a board the entire time. Oh, Fair enough. Ken Chen, you're a successful comedian in your own right. You're award-winning. I believe you won Joke of the Fringe in 2017. And did you also win or a finalist in BBC Comedy Award? Uh, yeah, I was a finalist in BBC New Comedy Award. Yeah, that's right. I also believe you created an online stir when you decided to insult all the world's flags yes. in an absolutely epic twitter thread. <laughs> that was that oh yeah that was 2017 i did that yeah that was good fun it took up like a few weeks of my time just going through all the flags <laughs> 2017 joke of the fringe and insulting literally everyone in the world what a big yep. year for ken oh it was massive uh, i think it some were bordering on like hate crime because some people really care, care about the hat of the flags <laughs> and they were very angry in some countries <laughs> Which country was the most angry that you insulted them? Uh, I think it was a Bulgaria. Uh, Bulgaria were really had a massive like they loved their flag. I- India as well. India and Bulgaria, they both they have a lot of nationalists. I would have had them down as giving a shit the Bulgarians, really. I think because of you know everything that went on in that part of the world, they <laughs> they they actually care about their national pride now. Fair enough. It's weird coming from England where like half of us actively and not interested in national pride and yep. would happily use the Union Jack as, as toilet paper, which I guess is probably the same instinct that perhaps drove you to make the Twitter thread in the first place. <laughs> I can't remember why I decided to do it. It was such a whim. <laughs> You're a professional comedian. Am I right in thinking you don't have a day job? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because I do have a day job. I feel like if I didn't have a day job, it's the kind of thing... <laughs> I might do. I guess what I'm trying yeah. to say is, it sounds like you had a lot of spare time on your hands in 2017. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's pretty much it. It was post-Edinburgh. I was like, okay, let's do this. I haven't read the whole thing, but I like your tactic, which was you just opened with the American flag. Yeah. And the insult was simply like, look at it, it's a piece of shit. And if you're going to get the world on side with something, yeah. laying straight into the Yanks, straight yeah. from the office, is a good way to... Game the algorithm, I'd say. That was calculated, yeah. You've got you to gotta start with the easy targets. UK, US, <laughs> done. Unite the world. 
And fair enough. We've still got the, the British Museum full of shit. We can't be upset that mm. people don't like our shit flag. <laughs> the American flag peaked too early in my view. Yeah. Because, you know, it looks differently every time they add a state. And there was a, really, yeah. there was a really cool one in the 1860s where it's like a circle of stars. You see it in the film Dances with Wolves and it's fucking awesome. Ooh. If I was the president at the time, I would have said, stop acquiring new states. <laughs> the flag's not going to get much better than this. If we had any more stars, it's going to look cluttered. With it, as it is with like 20-ish, absolutely perfect. Mr. Trek. I'll ask one more question about your life, Ken, before we okay. get into the episode. On your um, Wikipedia because I did a lot of research for you on this. Yeah. Starting about 10 minutes before this report. <laughs> it says you studied dual avian projectile mathematics <laughs> at university. Is that true? No. Uh, <laughs> someone vandalised my Wikipedia and it's not been changed back, clearly. <laughs> that makes so much sense because I read that and thought, I'm either really thick and that's an obvious thing that <laughs> clever people understand what it is. Dual avian projectile mathematics sounds like nonsense. It sounds like the study of how far two birds can vomit or something. Uh, it's the it's a reference to my 2015 uh, BBC set, which is about the phrase two birds with one stone. So someone, <laughs> someone decided to have a little fun and that i think someone did like a full vandalism of of my page and then they changed most of it but they still managed to get with that one through so well as i say dual avian projectile mathematics should absolutely stay in there because thick people like me will look at it and think <laughs> god he must be clever that's some phd level shit if he's studying dual avian projectile mathematics at words i don't even understand that guy must have a four-figure IQ. That's right. That's that's the most complicated kind of projectile <laughs> mathematics you can get. <laughs> Two birds. Because if it was like single avian projectile <laughs> mathematics, that's not complex. No, but dual and triple. Piss. <laughs> a child could do that. Kath, do you want to explain to our lovely guest the format of this here pod, and then we'll get into it? I absolutely can do. So uh, every episode... We, uh, we like to begin by objectifying our subject for the uh, the episode. Have a little photograph sent. That'll be their profile picture that they have on their eTrust app. A very, very real historical application that we did not just make up for this podcast. Uh, then we'll hear a little bit about them, uh, about their life and times. And then we'll just decide whether we would fuck them or not. And they'll go on the Bayo Tap Datastry uh, if we would. If not... <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll just forget them. Go home, have a wank. Happy days. Aiden, it's, <laughs> it's your episode. It's a bit heteronormative, this podcast, mm-hmm. usually. Can I usually pitch the opposite gender to, to the person we're talking to? But one thing we didn't oh. mention about our guest is that you are also, if I'm not mistaken, a professional gambler, as well as being a comedian. Is that true? That, that's right, yeah, that's correct. You've done a lot of good research. <laughs> this is in, incredible stuff. Aiden's frightening. <laughs> He's really scary. Yeah. Uh, Deep dive. Yeah, he knows your home address and inside leg measurement. It's, it's weird. That's, that's important to know. I don't think I even know that. No. Well, you'll get a nice pair of trousers delivered to your house and you'll be like, that's fucking Aiden. <laughs> that is the payment for this pod, right? <laughs> I, I, I wish we were making enough money of this pod that I could do that for every guest, but alas, not. <laughs> if you want to donate, listeners, it is uh, co-free.com forward slash hotnotpod. Send us some money so we can make some suits for our guests. <laughs> not suits, just 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 the trousers. Yes, Kenya's naked from the waist up. <laughs> so, Ken, yeah, it would have nice been to, to pitch a lady at you, but uh, I thought I'd try and find a famous gambler from history to pitch to you. 
And mm. you Google famous gamblers from history, it just tend to be men. It's a male-dominated field, yeah. uh, the world of gambling. Maybe not now, I don't know, but certainly in black and white times. If you two would open your e-trothed app, and you will see an image of the person we will be discussing on today's episode. And that is Alvin. He is 80, and he is from Missouri. He's 80. Well, he, he died when he was 80, but he's a bit younger in this photo. So far, in a purely superficial sense, what do you make of Alvin? A good-looking man or not? Yeah, I'd say he was good-looking. I think he's quite plain-looking, but he has a stature. He has quite a strong, strong facial bone structure. That's always good. Mm-hmm. I think that he would make a wonderful spy in that he is nondescript. Like, he could disappear into a crowd very easily. Yeah, if the crowd was, like, in the 1920s, if he was going around dressed like that now, everyone would be like, who is that sharp guy <laughs> with the absolutely massive hat on? Yeah. And the upturned, co- the upturned collar strikes me as, like, someone saying, how can I make myself totally conspicuous? Mm-hmm. He wants to be inconspicuous, should have the collar down. He should. And also, the top of that hat isn't in the photograph. So, for all we know... Oh, it could go forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that I, I can only picture it going forever, now that you said I that. I, for one, hope it does. Please don't <laughs> send us a full-length version of this picture in which it's a normal-sized hat, because I'm out of the pod. Do you know what it's got? It's got wedding cake vibes. Because, like, there's, like, a black tier and then a white tier, it just makes me think, then, there's another tier on top of that, and then on top of that, two little figurines of a couple getting married. <laughs> Or one of those novelty ones where it's a bride dragging a groom by the scruff of the neck and he's just kind of (laughs) sat on the floor of the cake, resigned to his fate. And it's like, if that is the happiest day of your life, and that is how you're representing the happiest day of this relationship, good God. (laughs) When you said a novelty one, for some reason I thought you meant novelty hat, not a novelty (laughs) wedding cake. Like maybe there'd be like a little helicopter blades on the top of the hat. That would be a fun look for a 1930s gambler, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's how he won most of his money. People are too focused on the hat. (laughs) The never-ending blade hat. (laughs) Yeah. Impossible. Is that your secret, Ken? Ah, I wish. I I wish I thought of that. Maybe I will the next time I play. According to Wikipedia, Alvin Clarence Thomas was born November 30th, 1893, in Monette, Missouri, and was raised in the Ozark Mountains. His mother remarried following desertion by Thomas's father, who was also himself a gambler. At the age of 16, Thomas left home with only one dollar to his name and began a nomadic life of hustling and gambling in the rural south-central USA. Ken, would you describe your gambling as a nomadic life of hustling? Or does doing it on your bedroom logged into Triple Eight Poker really take the romanticism out of it? Yeah, I don't think it quite has the kind of Wild West gambling, like Maverick style, guns under the table kind of vibe. It's mostly just clicking on my mouse and some (laughs) very basic graphics and sound effects of the cards being shuffled around. Alvin Clarence Thomas eventually changes his name to Titanic Thompson, which is like a cool gambler name. Whereas you're playing against someone whose name is like Pokerzilla 1983. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm not trying to mock your lifestyle, but it feels like there's a disconnect between the gambling of old and the gambling of now. Yeah, I mean, even even in the films of nowadays, like the main film that people kind of visualise when they hear about poker is Casino Royale. My life is very different from Casino Royale, I'd say. <laughs> the bit in Casino Royale where he... He gets Vespa Lind to like wear an amazing low cut dress so that yeah. she's a distraction at the poker table. It's hard to do that with online poker. Yeah, you can't say to your your wife or your girlfriend, 
can you just like flash a bit of leg in the background of the spare bedroom just to distract these people in uh, in, in Texas that I'm playing, please? We don't even play with webcams online, so I'd have to describe it in the chat. <laughs> but you know, I'm a, I'm a writer, so I can come up with some erotic fiction that might get them going. <laughs> I would watch that James Bond film if they were all <laughs> just at home. <laughs> just Daniel Craig in like some shorts, like with one of his testicles hanging out. <laughs> An old, yeah. an old T-shirt he bought at a radio head gig 15 years ago, just like scratching his nuts while figuring out what to eat and eating Pringles yeah. as he plays. <laughs> it's quite a film. <laughs> quite a film. It is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, you said that he left home with a dollar, but in those days, a dollar would have been like 400 quid, wouldn't it, or something? Is he Bezos? Or he's like, look, I just started this business in a garage. It's like, yeah, but you had $250,000 as well, didn't you? It wasn't from nothing. Is this cunt a Bezos? <laughs> also, like, no one... How do you ever know if they're telling the truth? Because people always say, oh, I left home with a dollar, but I don't I don't ever buy it. A dollar in my pocket and 700 in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> you actually do raise a good point, though. Because a lot of this is legend. There are some facts, and we'll sort of touch upon what's definitely real and what isn't. But when you live this kind of nomadic gambling lifestyle, you are essentially building up a legend for yourself. And I got most of this off Wikipedia. Now, usually when you use Wikipedia to gain sources for a historical podcast like this, there's usually lots of sources being referenced and you can sort of check out the sources. Most of this comes from one book. (laughs) So I'm just hoping to God that this book is accurate because I did not take the time to read it. Does it say that he studies dual avian projectile mathematics? (laughs) I'd be pretty wary. It's the same guy. Oh, fuck. It says he studied quadruple projectile (laughs) avian mathematics. I think we've been had. I think we've been had. In 1918, Thomas was drafted into the US Army where he was promoted to sergeant after excelling at basic training. Due to the proximity at the end of the war, he did not see overseas combat and was instead used to train younger draftees domestically. Another thing he trained the younger draftees in was gambling. And he ended the war with $50,000 in cash, which he used to buy his mother a house in Monette, his birthplace. (laughs) It's fun, isn't it? Wow. I just love the idea, like, he's just ripping off all the young recruits, just lining <laughs> mm, his pockets during World crazy. War One From one dollar. To be fair, though, they're all just going to go and die, aren't they? They're going abroad, yeah. they, they're going abroad and they're, gonna, they're not coming back, so he's done them a favour, really. I'll look after it. <laughs> it's also smart to go into teaching. Teaching is the kind of coward's way of making a good sustainable income in any field like when comedians just give up comedy and start doing like courses mm-hmm. you're like oh that that is smart that i might do that yeah and then teach comedians gambling take a lot of comedians money yeah well from this horde that uh, titanic thompson's got sounds like that's exactly what he did did he take the name titanic thompson it must have been quite close to the actual titanic oh my god will it be like all of those people who are called isis and then ice. <laughs> ice. No. Yeah. Titanic Thompson, the unsinkable, <laughs> the unsinkable gambler. He is said to have got his nickname Titanic from a man called Snow Clark, who said of his pool playing that his nickname must be Titanic. He sinks everybody. Oh. That might be from his pool playing days. However, Rudolph Wanderone, a.k.a. Minnesota Fats, said in an interview with the LA Times in 1988 that Titanic got his nickname 
when he went down with the Titanic in 1912. He put on ladies' clothes to save himself, and he got off the boat first. There's quite a lot of different rumours for how he got his name. What? <laughs> oh, I hope it's that one. What? I hope it's that one. <laughs> I don't believe either of those. <laughs> Wait, so he was on the Titanic? Uh, no, he wasn't on the Titanic. I think that was just Minnesota Fats uh, being lyrical with history. Uh... But anyway, he, he bought his mum a house. I think that's really nice. Like, I yeah. know gamblers, and most gamblers don't buy their mother's houses. They buy their mother's flowers to apologise for having gambled away their Nissan, <laughs> Nissan Qashqai in the 24-hour game of Texas Hold'em. Ken, what's the best thing you've ever bought with your poker winnings? Oh, I'm not a very materialistic person, so I don't, I don't think I own anything that, that crazy. I suppose if you're sustaining yourself yeah. from it, that's quite a good... My, my brother, yeah. uh, fun fact... He tried to be a professional gambler and he, he made it work for a year and a half. Mm. But but the margins were just a bit too tight. Yeah. So he had to go back to painting and decorating, which he, he was happy uh. with. But he, he basically very early on had a massive win. It was like 10,000 yeah. quid or something. Yeah, that was and, really good. Oh, it's fucking sweet. He was so... Well, actually, on the night, he was quite disappointed because because he was in the top 10, effectively, in this worldwide yes. competition. Yeah. He initially was gutted because it was like, oh... I was I could have won hundreds of thousands. I've yeah. won ten, and it took him a few weeks to sort of come to terms with it and realize, holy fucking shit! I've won ten grand in poker That's just good. from one night's playing poker. It's pretty, pretty good. Sweet. It's quite hard to make the margins work. So uh, basically, Makes sense. fair play to you. It's, yeah, I guess like any, my rent is probably the the flashiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing I'm mainly spending my poker money on. Yeah. Sadly, you can't drive your rent around open top around town showing half the <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't have anything that symbolises my wealth, I think. I don't think I have a single thing that... I know, like, my friend was talking about how his friend bought, like, a 10 grand watch. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? (laughs) And he isn't even, like, that rich. He just decided to buy a 10 grand watch. It seems wild to wrap up so much of your funds into one so easily Mm. stealable item, doesn't it? (laughs) Thompson created a legend for himself as a travelling road gambler by winning propositions and bets, many manipulated beforehand by his bad self. For example, Thompson bet he could throw a walnut over a building after unknowingly to his opponent filling the hollow shell with lead. He bet he could throw a large room key into a lock. A, which I think is very Finch off the office behaviour. Yeah. It's very like, I bet I could throw this shoe over this pub, <laughs> but it's just a yeah. guy from Southern America doing it. I could give you a list of 50 things I could beat them at. It's like throwing. Wait, so he could throw a key into the lock from a distance? Well, I don't know if he could. He bet he could. Poker players get into wild, what they call prop bets, like completely wild bets on absolutely anything. There was one prop bet where a guy said he could live in a hotel bathroom for a month. <laughs> With the lights, but without any source of like outside light, and just food had to be delivered to him, and he wasn't allowed to leave the bathroom. I don't think he lasted. I think he lasted a few days before he was just like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> That's mad. That's the scene from the Shawshank Redemption when he gets put in the hole, but he's just yeah. volunteering to yeah. do it like, like entirely I'll, of his own accord. I'll find out how much he bet on this. Um, it was a lot. Oh wait, he. I think he won it. Oh my god! What hotel? And who's paying for the hotel? And his name was Mr. Ken Chester. <laughs> he, they waged, two poker pros wagered 100 grand Ooh. on whether or not one of them could live in complete isolation for 30 days and without light at all, I think. It was a complete pitch black Fuck. bathroom. Fuck. Wasn't allowed any human interaction or entertainment 
outside of a paddle ball and Rubik's Cube. Trying to do a Rubik's Cube in the dark. In the dark. <laughs> so what happened was he lasted 20 days and the other person in the bet decided... I'm going to buy out of this bet because I think you'll last the rest. So bought bought out of it for only sixty grand. So he the man made sixty grand just staying in a bathroom for twenty days. Oh my god. <laughs> he didn't go mad. That's insane. He probably did go mad, but he probably thought a <laughs> hundred grand is worth going mad for. <laughs> I'll take a hundred grand. Well actually it was probably a self fulfilling prophecy. He was probably already mad to have made the bet. Yeah. So that's he true. thought, I've got nothing to lose by winning this bet. And now he's got the nicest room in Bethlehem. <laughs> 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 the other prop bet that I always cite is that the, the, the poker player in 1996 did a hundred grand bet. He had to agree to receive breast implants and keep them for one year. Huh. <laughs> and did he? Grand. Yep. Fucking hell. I'd do it. I assume this is a male. Yeah, a guy. A, yeah, a guy. Yeah. So he's just walking around with like two double 38C like boob job. Just had to do it, keep that for a year. That's the kind of bet where if I was making it, I would hedge it heavily. I'll only do it if they're size B. I'm not going any higher than B. <laughs> <laughs> Other prop bets that Titanic Thompson made, and notice that I'm now calling them prop bets, having learned from Ken yep, in real time a what a prop bet is. Yeah, Titanic Thompson altered a road mileage sign and then bet that the mileage was wrong. I love how elaborate <laughs> some of this is. The next one is the most elaborate. He bet that he could drive a golf ball 500 yards over twice the then expert golfer's best drive of 200 yards. He won by waiting until winter and driving the ball across a frozen lake where it bounced past the required distance. Amazing. I once bet that I could walk on water like Jesus over Lake Hart in Australia, and then I waited thousands of years for it to evaporate into a dry <laughs> lake and then walk across it. Very clever. <laughs> well, you say that, Kath. I couldn't collect because my opponent uh, was dead by that point. So. God. Oh, <laughs> long game. Nice guys always finish last, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Kath, I've been talking to Ken a lot about gambling. Are you a betting woman, Kath? I fucking love gambling. I love it so much. <laughs> but I'm also not very good at it. So that's why I don't do it very often, because I- I'll lose everything. Fair enough. Because you're a working class scum. I assume you're talking about the penny pushers at Blackpool Arcade. Yeah, I like those. Uh, I also, oh, it's when the Grand National's on. I like a little bit on that. But I won't want to go, well, no, I would want to go and do it all the time. Uh, which is why I don't, <laughs> because uh, I like having a roof, roof over my head. So I just usually save it for uh, if ever there's a, a like a change in government or something. That's always good. Because then it's like, well, the Tories got in again. That sucks. But I am 20 quid up, so, <laughs> you know, it could be worse. Kath, you're not going to go bankrupt betting on the Tories in this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Have you ever done Eurovision betting? That's always fun. I haven't. Well, oh, no, actually, I was on a sweepstake for it this year. Got France. It's a good idea because you're only ever doing it once a year, so you're never going to go broke Eurovision betting. I also quite like poker, but I would be lying if I said I was anywhere near Ken's league. But what I do is, because I did live with someone who was a professional poker player for, for about a year and a half, I sort of picked up little bits of knowledge, but, it, but it's so rudimentary, Ken. I'll be sitting there playing poker with some work friends, and I'll be thinking, I wonder how many people in here know about betting when you're on the dealer button. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like really Powerful basic position. stuff that, yeah, position betting where, because some people just don't know. They just don't yeah, know that thing. So you can yeah, like no. use a tiny bit of information like that to your advantage. Yeah. The other thing that I like to do in poker, I don't mind telling you this, Ken, because I'm never ever going to play you. Even if you ask me to play you, I'm not going to do it because <laughs> uh, I don't want to lose money. You can't let your chip pile get too small. 
So like once you've got seven times in your hand what the blind is, you really should be considering going all in. Just go all in. Yeah, what I fucking love doing is not just going all in at that point, but like not looking at my cards when they come to me and making sure someone's clocked that I haven't looked at my cards before I go all in. It really fucks with people. I mean, it probably wouldn't fuck with you because you probably know how insane it is. But like, again, if you're just playing with normal people, yeah. it fucks with their heads so much. No, that's you've got, you've got a lot, lot of knowledge under your belt. That's a lot of knowledge. You, I think you're ready to take on take on the big leagues. Two bits of knowledge. You hear that, Cap? <laughs> that is apparently a lot of knowledge. Puts you probably in the top 5% of poker players. <laughs> <laughs> According to Wikipedia, his name is became Titanic Thompson due to a misprint in a New York newspaper which Thomas liked so much he went with. So again, there's another one of three potential origin yeah. stories of how he got his name. He's a bit like the Joker in uh, The Dark Knight. <laughs> I keep changing it. Just every time he tells his origin story, it's slightly different. Yeah. You want to know how I got the name Titanic Thompson? <laughs> My daddy had this knife. <laughs> I killed a thousand people by drowning. <laughs> <laughs> Did I spare the children? Did I? Hell. <laughs> I dressed as a woman. <laughs> I really wish I'd watched The Dark Knight before I saw this because my uh, I think my Joker impression's slightly off. It sucks, but it's okay. Don't worry. No one's judging. Uh, well, you you don't watch films, Kath, no. so you, as far as you're concerned, it's, it's it's absolutely accurate. You don't watch films. No, I mean the thing is, I feel like I watch films. Right? I watched one the other week. It was about <laughs> a lad who'd stood on a mine and his mate lost his legs, and then it turned out after almost two hours of a film of him stood on this landmine. He wasn't stood on a landmine at all. He was stood on a tin can. And that film was called Mine. I watch films. Oh. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I've, I've ruined it. That sounds like a great ending. But uh, I've ruined it for anyone who wants to watch it now. Don't watch it. I've saved you two hours of your life. That's the only film she's seen in her entire life. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about this, Kath, is every time I say, have you seen X film, Kath, you always say no. It turns out you've watched one film, and it's a film I've never heard of. I don't know how this has happened. <laughs> it's on Netflix. This fucking weird mind film that you've discovered. Michael Owen has only seen eight films in his life. Wow. It's a fun I've fact. Heard. What are they? And he tweeted about <laughs> it. I think a lot of them are sports movies. I think one of them's Rocky. One of them's like Cool Runnings. <laughs> one of them's Armageddon, I think. I think he, I think three what? of them are like the Spider-Man, like the the original Spider-Man films. It's such a random list, and he hate he hates films. Fast and the Furious one, Fast and the Furious two, <laughs> Fast and the Furious three. So I find the article. It's an amazing list. Okay, Rocky, Heat, Ghost, Jurassic Park, Cool Runnings, Sea Biscuit, Karate Kid. And Forrest Gump. Wow, but they're all quite good, quite good films. You think after watching that, those doozies, he'd be bang up for watching some more. But he hates them. <laughs> Absolutely. Hates Surely them. you would get taken to the cinema as a kid or something, or on a school trip, or they put a film on. Too busy training. Too busy training. That's how you become the best. Yeah. None of this school trip nonsense. Got to do keepy uppies. <laughs> I'm going to replace you on this podcast, Kath, with uh, Michael Owen because he has watched six more films. He than has, you, so therefore <laughs> I have more in common with Michael Owen than I do with you. <laughs> no, I've watched Sonic the Hedgehog as well. That wasn't too bad. Nice. Another one that I haven't seen. Wow. Yeah. What defines how you pick these films? Uh, whoever I'm with is putting them on. That's yeah. how I make my selection. I have no <laughs> nothing at all to do with it. But I, I can also only watch films that Aidan hasn't seen. So it's a really <laughs> small list. <laughs> 
how does Sonic the Hedgehog end? Is it just him in a hedge for two hours? And then at the end, it turns out it wasn't actually a hedge. It was a tin hedge. <laughs> it was a bonfire. <laughs> uh, it's harrowing. Awful. Awful film. Ken, speaking of poker nicknames, do you have a poker nickname? Sadly, I don't. I, I don't have a recognisable one. I wish I did. Today's your lucky day, mate. Because I was yeah, hoping you'd say Because I have written some poker names for you. Yeah, amazing. Ken Cheng. They call him the cheap deck chair because he never folds. Oh, that's good. That is good. It's good, isn't it? Ken Cheng. They call him Ken Semiconductor Cheng because he has all the chips. <laughs> Excellent. I'm liking this slightly delayed. I also had Ken Taiwan Cheng because Taiwan is the global oh. leader in semiconductor chip production. But you're not actually Taiwanese, you're Chinese. So that actually might get... A bit confusing, so we'll scrap that I mean, that it one. might get me in trouble. Like, <laughs> all the China, I'm staying clear of any China-Taiwan business. A lot of comedians are getting targeted in China for all this. I'm staying out of it. Staying out of it. I'll cut this bit so you don't get targeted by Chi. <laughs> yeah. No, no, keep it in. So so if, if I do, you know you're definitely being watched by the Chinese government. Yeah. You've got at least one listener. Yeah. If, if the Chinese government are listening to this, that means someone's out there. So it's all good. Yeah. Kath, I didn't want to leave you out of this. I've written one for you as well, oh, Kath. And it's a historical one to keep us on brand. Kath Indus Script Mather, because no one can read you. Because no nice. one can read the, in, the Indus Script. That's, uh... Hey. <laughs> hey, nice, nice, very good. And mine's a self-deprecating one. Mine is Aiden Irish Potato Famine McCaffrey, because I regularly have no chips. <laughs> Excellent. And you killed millions. <laughs> <laughs> Historical Hot or Not will be doing a live recording uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. That will be on the 22nd of August 2023, the year that we're in now, at 12.30. I want to say a.m. It's p.m. though. The midday one, not the midnight one. It'll be part of the podcast hour. And that episode will be recorded as part of Laughing Horse at the City Cafe. There is a link to the day we are recording. Each day is a different podcast being recorded. We will only be there on the 22nd. And the ticket link in our Hot Not Pod link tree, which is available on Instagram and Twitter, has a link directly to the day we are recording. I will also be doing my Edinburgh show, my debut, uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. My show is called Scream Inside Your Heart, and it will be at the Three Sisters in the Wee Room at 12 noon, 12 midday, not midnight, and that will be on from the 3rd to the 20th of August. Titanic Thompson was an exceptional golfer, being called the best shot maker I ever saw by Hall of Fame golfer Ben Hogan. He refused to go pro, though, on the grounds that he couldn't afford the cut in pay. Ken, club comedy notoriously doesn't pay very well. Does this mean you're doing so bad at poker you need to do comedy? Or are you doing so well at poker that you can afford a loss-making hobby? Oh, it really... It really oscillates between the two. (laughs) It oscillates between comedy being my passion that I use for poker to fund, or comedy being the (laughs) driving income to fund poker, which is my passion that costs a lot to do. Are they always hanging in like total zen balance? Like, yeah. If you have a good gig, you know you're getting kicked out of that tournament the next day. If you win that $100,000 prize, you are going to bum at the comedy store the next night. Yeah, if you're rich, you're not funny. You can't be funny and rich. Impossible. Or like happy. 
when I, I've I wrote some of my best stuff at my saddest, and now I'm actually doing. I'm quite well rounded. I'm doing all right. Me too. And you can't write for shit. <laughs> Me too. It's hurting my comedy career. Yeah, I know. It's difficult. I just need work to blow up or something. You know, a really traumatic event. Yeah. Get an Edinburgh show out of that. <laughs> I'll get Reese to cheat on you, Kurt. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the Wikipedia article is taken from one source, Kevin Cook's Titanic Thompson, the man who bet on everything. But there's quite a lot of World Golf Hall of Famers, such as Harvey Pennick, Paul Runyon, Byron Nelson and Sam Sneed have all recounted their own stories of their encounters with Titanic Thompson. So there is a legend here. It doesn't appear that it's entirely based in bullshit. According to Wikipedia, Thompson was married five times and had three children. He also had affairs with golden era starlets such as Jean, Jean Harlow and Myrna Loy, who usually settle down with a new woman, get married and then leave to resume his life of nomadic gambling but we'd leave the wife with comfortable housing and financial support. This is the same story with his mum. Like, he's putting it out there, but he's also putting his wealth out there. It's like yeah. he's buying himself out of all these relationships. <laughs> the most honourable, honourable cad you can get. <laughs> yeah, the oh. financially solvent stud. He'll, he'll break your heart, but not your credit rating. <laughs> you know what? That is all I was looking for on Hinge. <laughs> I'll be a divorcee. If I can have a nice apartment in Zone 2. Well, you need to go back in time and uh, bang Titanic Thompson. And you will have the option at the end of this episode, Kath. Yeah, it's looking better by the day. Yeah, if I say, yeah, do I get a house? Yeah, he'll marry. <laughs> he'll marry you, get you pregnant, then leave you with like a million dollars or something. That's like the sort of deal that you're into with him. I don't want to be pregnant. I'll be one of the two that didn't have children. <laughs> Ken, uh, do you fuck about? Do I fuck about? <laughs> um... Wow. <laughs> You don't have to answer. <laughs> I can answer in any way. You... I'm in a relationship of three years, so yes, loads. <laughs> Do you fuck about Aiden? Yeah. yeah, sorry, your wife doesn't listen to the pod, so... <laughs> Only the Chinese government listens, so I can comfortably say, yes, I absolutely do. I'll tell you who I've never cheated on, and that is Chairman Chi of the Chinese Communist <laughs> <laughs> as well as making a killing on bets, Titanic Thompson also made killings on literally killing, killing five men through the medium of killing after he killed five men. The first happened in rural Arkansas when he cheated on a game of dice while gambling on a boat with a man called Jim Johnson. The boat was Thompson's. He had won the boat in a previous bet. Now, just stop there for a second. Gambling is so ingrained in Thompson's character. Even in this story, there's allusions to the entire setting of the story being a prize he had won previously. I bet that when Titanic Thompson was a sperm, he bet the other sperm he could beat the other sperms to the egg. <laughs> and then I bet he bribed the egg to switch fallopian tubes at the last minute so he could get there before them. Mm -hmm. Doesn't five make him a serial killer? Oh. Maybe we should get our friends on the old Killer No Filler podcast to weigh in on this. That's yeah. true. Does it count if he just admits it? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I killed five men. And they're like, yeah, fair enough. More of it. <laughs> you know what? I admire his confidence and honesty. Go on, sunshine. <laughs> Somehow I don't think the Yorkshire Ripper would not be a serial killer if... The only difference in the story was he put his hand up and went, Sorry, it was me. Johnson realised Thompson was cheating and threw him overboard. Johnson came back on board, at which point Johnson threatened Thompson's girlfriend with a knife. Thompson rendered Johnson unconscious with a hammer and threw him overboard, where he drowned to death. According to Wikipedia, the sheriff gave Thompson the option of leaving town or handing over the deeds to the boat. He chose the former. He chose to leave town. Imagine if justice worked that way now. 
you can either give me the keys to your Honda Accord or you can move to Macclesfield. <laughs> That's the laziest sheriff I've ever heard. It's just like, yeah, just leave town. I can't be bothered with this paperwork. Jesus Christ. Was it, do you reckon that he was just a dick and no one liked him? Or did he not have anyone <laughs> who loved him that would care? He was playing dice on another man's boat. Like He must have not had much of a life. <laughs> Died by hammer. That's insane, man. <laughs> did he get punished for any of them? Well, let's get into this. All of Thompson's other killings were in self-defence as assailants tried to rob him of his winnings. <laughs> in one instant mm. in St. Louis in 1919, the local police chief thanked him as the two people he killed or wanted bank robbers. <laughs> oh my God, I just love the idea that he like shoots them and then it's just like dollar bills going like that to the ground. <laughs> like a video game. Jump on them. Bling! <laughs> One of the men he killed was 16-year-old Jimmy Frederick. That's not a man. That's a child. One of the children that he killed. One of the boys that he killed was 16-year-old Jimmy Frederick, Thompson's caddy that day. Oh, my God. Yeah, he donned a mask and tried to rob him at gunpoint. As he died, he confessed he'd been trying to rob Thompson. Wow. Oh, my God, I bet he heard him coming because he could hear the golf clubs jingling around in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing it in his little, like, motorised caddy. Like, Jimmy, why are you driving towards me at 10 miles per hour, the top speed of that, of that device? Just stay still, I'm going to run you over. He never got punished for anything, then. That's insane. Even if you're a bad guy, somebody loves you, right? Somebody miss You're somebody's child, and you've surely made some kind of connection in the world at any point where someone might be like, no, no, you can't just get away with shooting that child in the face. They're trying to take money. Something that's not even real. We just made that up. I am I am annoyed. I'm annoyed that he didn't get punished for this. Well, I suppose this is the tragedy. I guess these are, because some of them are bank robbers, I guess they're people who've somehow fallen through the cracks in society anyway. Maybe they're disconnected from their family. It's, I'm not justifying it. Yeah, but it was the old times. Like, a bank in the old times was so robbable. I would try and rob a bank in the old times. You just had to, like, punch through a paper-thin wall and just grab <laughs> until someone came. And then, if it was at night, there weren't cameras. Nobody would see you. And they'd just be like, you robbed all that money. You'd be like, no, I didn't. And they'd be like... Well, you make a very sound argument. <laughs> yeah, you just take your tights off, put them on your head, walk into Lloyd's TSB. Five minutes later, you're 100 grand richer. That's what yeah. it was like back then. One dollar richer. <laughs> yeah. Left that bag with one dollar in his pocket. <laughs> That's how he got the dollar. That's how he started his career. Yeah. <laughs> the boat one seems quite cold because he killed him with a hammer, but he was also protecting a woman who was under attack. Yeah. Mm. The rest were all self-defense, so... He couldn't have done anything else to that 16-year-old no. boy. All he had to do with the 16-year-old boy was, like, puncture the golf caddy tyres, and he could have just, like, strolled away at a normal pace. Ken, has anyone ever tried to rob you of your winnings? I suppose it would be quite difficult, because they'd have to come into your home office, point the gun at you. Yeah. Give us your paddy power login. No one gets hurt. <laughs> no one so far. I've I've once had cash from, like, a live poker game, and I put it in my shoe, and even then, no one, no one came up to me, you know? It was in Cambridge. It was the city centre of Cambridge, so I was like, this, this, no one's going to rob me here. There's no Jimmy Fredericks with his, with his <laughs> golf clubs. I was ready. I was ready to kill a man. I was ready to kill a 16-year-old boy to protect my 200 pounds. <laughs> Titanic Thompson was alleged to have fixed a game of poker that resulted in New York crime boss Arnold Rothstein acquiring debts of $500,000. Rothstein was 
infamous is the mobster who allegedly fixed the 1919 World Series. Thompson spoke at the trial of George McManus, who stood trial for the murder of Rothstone, but who was acquitted due to lack of evidence. The showdown. Titanic lived out his final years in a Dallas nursing home. According to CBN.com, his son Tommy also became a professional gambler as a way of getting close to his dad, who he idolised despite barely seeing him as a child. It does seem like this shared love of gambling did bring them together. According to Wikipedia, the two would take gambling trips together, and after he died, Tommy joined a church ministry and counselled prisoners, often to stay away from gambling. Also, this is fun. Remember, his name isn't Titanic Thompson, which means his son, Tommy, his name is Tommy Thompson. He called his son Tommy mm. Thomas. Tommy Thomas. I hate it when people do that. I have so many uh, examples of this in my life, but I can't tell you them without just giving personal confidential data to just <laughs> fucking everyone. So I want. You mean like your, your sister, Matha Matha? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mathy Matha. Yeah, that's her. Like, why would he do that? That's insane. It's odd, isn't it? I suppose Tommy Thomas does have a ring to it, but it's also the kind of ring where you think, oh, Tommy Thomas, and, and what's your real name? No, no, no. No, that is what I was christened. And then it stops being funny and it becomes a bit sad. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sad things, Titanic Thompson died in Euless, Texas on May the 19th, 1974, aged 80 years old. According to Tom Fox's The Bank Shot and Other Great Robberies, legendary pool player Minnesota Fats called Titanic the greatest action man of all time. According to Wikipedia, Thompson's one weakness, as he admitted, was betting on horse racing, where he lost millions of dollars during his life to failed bets. Do you have a blind spot when it comes to bets, Ken? I've had some bad history on the Oscars. The Oscar, I sometimes just throw, you know, 10, 20 quid on the Oscar best picture, but, you know, those you can't predict. can't predict what's going to happen. Kath, the Oscars are like an award ceremony that are given out for best films. That are <laughs> right, thank yeah. you for clarifying. Sonic the Hedgehog, for example, won zero Oscars. Oh, well, I'm not interested then. <laughs> I think the one which uh, that really surprised me was Parasite winning, because I, I was like, there's no way Oscars, the Oscars are going to give Asians the Oscar. So yeah. I was like, surely this is a good bet. Let's bet on 1917. It's a war, World War One movie. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of white people. It's so like, yeah, Britain was great. And then they came out though, and Parasite, Parasite won. I was like, oh, great. It's really progressive, but I lost, I lost 20 quid. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> Ken, you've like tapped into a real deep frustration of mine. I often call the Oscars, but I never have the guts to make oh. the bet. I, I called Parasite weeks before and I had an argument with a friend yeah. who basically made your argument. He said, yeah. but the Oscars yeah. are racist. They won't give it to them. And I said, yeah. no, no, no. The Oscars are, have split personality disorder. Yes. They go Moonlight one year. They go Green Book two years later. And I said to him, the key to the Oscars is it's about who the underdog is. And the thing about like Parasite was it was sort of building this like huge yeah. underdog momentum for weeks. And I called it, but I didn't have the fucking guts to bet money on it. Oh. Should have gone for it. So next time, Aidan, you have to tell us, tell because we will bet on it. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll text Ken and say, Ken, can you put a bet on this, please? I figured that uh, everything everywhere all at once would win, but it was also yeah. such a favourite. It wasn't. I suspected the odds on it were pretty terrible. No, yeah, they were not good odds. They were good odds, probably like a few. Like if you got on it really early, Banshees was favourite for a while when Banshees it was came actually, out. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then that was a perfect time to strike everything everywhere before the hype. But then the hype started, and it was like, oh, okay, it's going to win everything. I won more than I thought it would as well. Like, yeah. I didn't think Jamie Lee Curtis would win. That was that was a shock to everyone. And she's great, but the uh, thing about Oscar Batten is it's often not... You slightly have to disconnect what you think. I think she's great in that. Yeah. But I also didn't think she'd win, because it's not the kind of thing that would win. Which I guess was your Parasite logic. Like, this is a great film, yeah. but this isn't the kind of thing that wins, so therefore... They do keep you guessing. We've reached the end of the podcast, so now we have to ask the question. Knowing everything you know about Titanic Thompson, would you bang Titanic Thompson? And I will let you go first, Ken, seeing as you are a fine guest today. Uh, I'll, I'll go with yeah, hypothetical yeah. Uh, it'll be quite a <laughs> ride, you know. He's quite, he's quite a dangerous figure. He's clearly... A charming, charming man. You could tell. You could tell everything about him. He's clearly charming. He's blagged his way through everything. Like, he blagged his way through the army. Blagged his way through getting off with murder. He's clearly incredibly charming. Obviously, caveat: I am heterosexual. But if I wasn't, <laughs> get right, get right in there. He's. I. I can't say I'm above all of these people who are like, yeah, this guy is clearly a stud. Kath, would you bang this man? See, I'm a bit torn on this one because physically. Uh, he's not really, he's not a bad looking lad at all, but he's not really what I would go for. And I also don't like the murder. I think if <laughs> I just, even if... That is a bit of a quim closer for you, isn't it, Kat? It is, yeah. And I, also, I don't know how you feel about this, but if if I'd seen somebody kill somebody in front of me with a hammer in a fashion that suggested they knew what they were doing, and just threw them over the side of a boat. I don't know that I would feel comfortable going asleep mm. next to that person. Having said that, uh, he would buy me a house. <laughs> and that is the only way I would get on the property ladder. And as such, <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> Spoken like a true London renter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Murder tends to bring the old labial shutters down, but uh, I could do with some equity, so I'm in. Yeah. Or you're dead. And either way, it doesn't really matter anymore, does it? Well, no, you're not dead as his lover. He saved the woman. Yeah, you're alive, thanks to him. Yeah, and with a house. <laughs> yeah, the women in his life, the lovers, the mothers, the his mother, they all do quite well out of him. It's the, it's the men he goes up against that the problem. He's not killed a single woman. <laughs> He's not provably <laughs> killed a single woman, and that puts him above most historical figures, I think. Yeah, he's killed a child. He's killed a kid, sure, <laughs> but not, not a yeah. woman. It's not a monster. Yeah. He was 16. Back then, that was like being 40. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Stop yeah. being so bloody white. <laughs> don't kill kids. Yeah. You can't kill a 16-year-old in the, this day and age. Huh? He's still doing his fucking GCSEs. Come on. No, he wasn't. They were called O-levels back then. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Ken, thanks for coming on this podcast. Is there anything that you would like to promote while you're here? Uh, you could just follow me on all social media, Ken Cheng Comedy. I think my radio series are still on BBC iPlayer, so you can check those out. Is that called Chinese Comedian? Yeah, Ken Cheng Chinese Comedian. That's There's three series of that. Thanks for coming on. Please follow us, everyone, at Hot Not Pod on all the social medias except Facebook because the business page for that is far too convoluted. Please retweet us, share us, tell your stories. We post little videos every week of the episodes. Share them, tell your friends about us. Thank you very much. And remember, it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside of the coffin that counts.
Spread your legs, spread the word. See you next week, people. Goodbye. You have been listening to Historical Hot or Not, written and created by Aidan McCaffrey and Catherine Mather. The podcast art was by our good friend Richard Todd, and our theme music by excellent musician and also good friend David Eagle. We also have music by Ergo Fismas, less a license from the Free Music Archive. If you've enjoyed us and you'd like to donate to the cause, we would love you to do that also. You can find us at ko-fi.com forward slash hotnotpod and you can download bonus episodes of Historical Hot or Not from Acast Plus. The link is available on our link tree, linktree.com forward slash hotnotpod. Bye!